Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250. And say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. President Joe Biden has just concluded his foreign tour and things did not go well. You're hearing criticism from the right. You're even hearing criticism from the left. People are saying that the tour was filled with gaffes. I don't think that quite expresses it. A gaffe is when you accidentally mispronounce the name of the debate moderator. Uh, What Joe Biden did was accidentally commit the United States to engaging in chemical warfare. What, What Joe Biden did seems to be a little bit more significant than just a mild gaffe or two, and it has major implications for U.S. national security and our role in the first major war in Europe since World War II. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz.
This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is brought to you by Genucel. Gentlemen, you know your wife's use your razor. I've been doing this to my husband since we were dating. I'm not sure that he to this day knows that I do this. Likewise, we ladies know that our husbands use our skincare products when we are not looking. So let me introduce you to Genucel. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new Genucel Serum with plant stem cell technology for under eye bags and puffiness. Let me show you my two favorite products. Here we have the plant stem cell therapy anti-wrinkle treatment. And here we have the immediate effects too. These are hands down my two favorite products and products that are the favorite of many others as well. Why? Because if you use instant effects, you will see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. I guarantee it. If you order now, you can save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Just go to genucel.com slash cactus. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash cactus. If you order now and use my special promo code, cactus, of course, you can save an extra 10% off your order today. Just go to genucel.com slash cactus and use promo code cactus. This episode of Verdict is brought to you by American Hartford Gold. Well, the new inflation numbers are out, and they are the worst this country has seen in nearly 40 years. The price of gas is astronomical. The price of housing is up. The U.S. national debt is way up. And with our current administration printing and spending trillions of our dollars, experts don't see it getting better anytime soon. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, when times are turbulent, Americans like you turn to real assets like physical gold and silver. American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text CACTUS to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text CACTUS to 65532. Today's episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is brought to you by IPVanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Without added security... You might as well give all your private data away to hackers, advertisers, your internet service provider, and who knows who else. IPVanish helps you securely and privately browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private messages, passwords, emails, browsing history, and other information will be completely protected from falling into the wrong hands. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. Just for Verdict listeners, IPVanish is offering an insane 70% off their annual plan. That's like getting nine months for free. You have to go directly to IPVanish.com slash cactus to get this 70% off discount. IPVanish is super easy to use. Just tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. You can use IPVanish on your computers, tablets, and phones. Whether you're at home or in public, don't go online without using IPVanish. Don't forget, Verdict listeners get 70% off the IPVanish annual plan. Just go to IPVanish.com slash cactus to claim your discount and secure your online life. That's IPVanish.com slash cactus. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. Senator, there are flubs and there are flubs. There are bad tours around the world and there are really, really bad tours around the world amid a war in Europe. President Biden, during this disaster, 
committed America to using chemical weapons, called for regime change in Russia, and said that American troops are going to be going to Ukraine. Apparently, the White House has walked this back. The White House coming out against the president of the United States is astounding in and of itself. What happened and what does it mean for America's involvement in this war? Well, it's the most spectacularly disastrous foreign trip uh, for a president that I can remember. And, and it actually beats out George Herbert Walker Bush when he went to Japan and threw up on the prime minister of Japan. Right. And that, by the way, is not a great look for a president to be vomit, vomiting on a head of state. But, but uh, in this instance, we would have been better off if Biden had simply thrown up. Um, you know, as I counted, Michael, there were five separate screw ups on one trip. Hmm. Uh, the first that's gotten the most attention uh, is when he came out in favor of regime change and and said, you know, how can this man stay in power? Dear God, how can this man stay in power? And, and by the way, it, it, it is a potentially reasonable position to be in favor of regime change, except he didn't know he was in favor of regime change. Right. He made the policy. And then the White House immediately walked it back and retracted it and said, oh, no, 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 no. He didn't mean anything by it. Um, look, we've talked about in this podcast how I actually think through taking away Russia's oil and gas customers, through taking away the billions they make selling energy, that, that, that we could put real pressure on the oligarchs and, and the KGB holdovers to get rid of Putin. And, and that would be the world would be better with Putin out of power. But but Biden was not actually making an intelligent position as commander in chief calling for pressure to 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 change the corrupt dictator in in Russia. He, he was just sort of musing out loud. Well, and you you can tell it wasn't intentional because he reversed his position when the staff members at the White House told him to. So this was a, a major flub in the middle of a war that's already quite tense. Yeah. And, and, and it's a big damn deal. Um. Number two, he told the 82nd Airborne they were going to Ukraine. He's talking to the 82nd Airborne, said, when you're in Ukraine, this is what you'll see. You'll see Ukrainian women in front of ta tanks. And, and the, the soldiers there are going, what, what do you mean when we're in Ukraine? Like, <laughs> we're not sending our guys to Ukraine. And, and so that was, that, that was gaffe number two. They had to walk that back and said, no, 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 the 82nd Airborne is not going to Ukraine. The, the, when you're in Ukraine... It's just a figure of speech, you know, you know like, like everyone uses it when you're in Ukraine. It's just, just how you start a conversation. Well, you say when in Rome, and just like you say that, you say when in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three was chemical weapons. And you, you referenced it in the opening where he said, look, if Russia uses chemical weapons, we will respond in kind. Like, holy crap, what? Like the president just said, we're going to use chemical weapons on Russia. That That's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have treaty obligations against using chemical weapons. He, of course, didn't mean it. They immediately walked it back and said, no, 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 no. We will respond somehow, yeah. but not actually in kind using chemical weapons. So that's that's gaffe number three. Uh, gaffe number four is a little technical, but but is consequential, which is he said – sanctions, like sanctions on Nord Stream 2, don't deter conduct and they're not meant to deter conduct. Now, mind you, 
For months, the Biden administration's entire talking points for why they didn't impose sanctions on Nord Stream 2, why they waived the sanctions, was that the threat of sanctions was a deterrent that would prevent Putin from invading Ukraine. Mm. So it's literally what they said day after day, week after week, month after month. And he stood up and said, oh, no, 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 no. The sa- sanctions are not about deterring anything. Right. They've walked that back. And then the fifth gaffe it, it is one that has been less noticed, but, it, but in many ways it's it's one of the most shocking. So when he was doing a, a press conference explaining away his other four gaffes, um, where he famously had a note card where he was instructed what to read, I, I didn't mean regime change. I was just expressing moral outrage. Yeah. Um, his explanation was, I was just talking about the Ukrainian troops that we are training in Poland right now. And everyone said, the, 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 the what, where, what, and where? Come again? Yeah. And, and if we are doing that, I don't know about it. Mm. So I, I'm not in a position to reveal any classified information because I don't have any on this topic. But if what Biden said is right, then he almost surely revealed classified information on national and globally televised uh, TV. And then the White House immediately walked that back. Said, no, 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 we're not saying we're training Ukrainian troops in Poland, which is what the president just said. Now, interestingly enough, and it's kind of like the first point. So one in five have some similarities, regime change and America trading Ukrainian troops in, in Poland. The president actually has the authority to release classified information. So if the commander in chief makes a determination that it is in the national interest for the public to know this, the president can tell people classified information. But Biden had no clue he was doing that. No one can argue with a straight face that he was exercising his presidential authority to release classified information. He was just presumably repeating whatever some briefer had told him a few minutes earlier, and I got to say, listen, I have been watching foreign policy for 30, 40 years and, and engaged in foreign policy for a decade. I, I literally cannot think of another example where a president has screwed this many things up of this great a consequence in less than 48 hours. Well, you you compared the president to Mr. Magoo the other day, and I laughed, and I laughed because it's true. So it raises this question, and I'm, I'm hesitant even to bring it up because every time any president is in office, the opposition says, he's crazy, he's a madman, we need to invoke the 25th Amendment, we need to remove him, for, he's unfit for office. This They did it to Trump, they did it to Obama, I suppose, to some degree, they certainly did it to Bush, they, they, they always do it, and it wasn't true, none of those people were senile, none of them had a mental impairment that stopped them from doing their job, Any beyond the ordinary trappings that go with office. In this case, it seems to me, It's different, not in degree, but in kind. It seems clear, I think even to honest liberals, that Joe Biden has some age-related impairment. He's not... He's not the man he was five or 10 years ago, and he was never all that sharp to begin with. So it does raise the question, should we be talking about invoking the 25th Amendment now that this is a national security risk? You know... There's no doubt he is diminished and diminished significantly due to age. Um, 
I think the threshold for the 25th Amendment is really damn high. And it's particularly damn high when when the voters were on notice of, of mm. the impairment and elected him anyway. And, and I got to say, you know, look, it was not a secret a year and a half ago that Joe Biden had, you know, lost about 65 miles on his fastball. You're right. Um, y- y- you know, his, his fastball is a wiffle ball. And 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 that was blazingly obvious. Um, so I would be hesitant to go down the road of the 25th Amendment. I think it's dangerous as hell. Hmm. Um, I think having a president uh, in office uh, who is less than fully aware of what's going on, who our enemies believe is less than fully aware of what's going on, who our friends believe is less than fully aware of what's going on, who everybody believes is to a significant degree out of it, that that's a real problem. Um, it, it, it's one of the one of the reasons I think Putin invaded Ukraine, because because Biden is so weak and ineffective that he didn't believe there'd be meaningful pushback. Now, I, I agree with you, actually. I, I don't think that it, it should be a sort of flippant decision to remove a president using the 25th Amendment. I think you make a good argument here. The voters knew about it going in. Biden wasn't exactly hiding it. So we've got a president who is not just making some stupid comments over an ice cream cone, but is actually saying things that could lead the United States into a war. There's nothing we're going to do about that in terms of removing him. You're a United States senator. Can, can the Senate uh, come in and put some guardrails around what President Biden can do in terms of foreign policy? Well, yes, although we're not going to do so with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi controlling the Congress. And and so I think we need to get to November. I, I think we're very likely to win the House. I think the odds are quite good we'll win the Senate too. And that will provide some meaningful checks, but particularly on foreign policy, the commander-in-chief under the Constitution has wide leeway. And, and, and so there are there are real risks to having a commander in chief who's not up to the task. And and I got to tell you, look, in, in 14 months, 15 months, Biden's been in office. I haven't spoken to him once, which is really weird. Like it is strange. And by the way, you might say, all right, Cruz, he's, he's this right winger. So Biden's not talking to Cruz. That's true of virtually every Republican Senator. Hmm. Um, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey and and Joe Biden have traveled all over the world together. They've been buddies for 20 years. Lindsey told me a couple of months ago he hadn't spoken to Biden since Biden became president. Wow, that's very strange. Like, almost without exception, very few, if any, Republican senators are speaking to. I think the Democrats, he speaks to the Democrats a little more, but presumably they think he's safe speaking to the Democrats, that they're not going to reveal what's going on. I, I, I can tell you, uh, one senator described to me how he'd spoken to Biden. One Republican said he'd spoken to Biden once in the past year and a half. And he said he went over to the White House for a bill signing. And they were, he said it was fairly, it was not a major bill, but it was, you know, they were trying to do a bipartisan bill signing. He said he struck up a conversation with Joe. And, and Biden said, hey, have you been to the cabinet room? And this senator said, well, I lied and said no. Uh, and so Biden took him to the cabinet room. And Biden begins telling war stories from like 30, 40 years ago and just reminiscing and telling stories. And apparently the White House staff is freaking out and they're coming in, Mr. President, Mr. President, you need to leave. You need to leave. And Biden yells at him and says, I'm telling stories, damn it. 
<laughs> and he spends like 45 minutes reminiscing. And it's like, you know, your grandfather sitting there reliving, you know, the 1950s. He, uh, you know, Corn Pop, I don't know if Corn Pop uh, <laughs> featured in those stories or not. But I got to say, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of just how diminished he is. I will say it's particularly strange that Biden is not talking with Republican senators, given that we all know him. Mm. Look, it was Joe Biden that swore me into office 10 years ago when I became a senator. All of us, I mean, he is a creature of the United States Senate. Right. Uh, most of us have known him a pretty long time. It is an odd dynamic, and, and it's clear the White House staff is protecting him. They're isolating him. They are afraid of what he will say, and, and that's a dangerous situation. That is, and that, that inside peak is is all the more disturbing because Joe Biden has a reputation as a backslapper, as a gladhander. He's the, the guy who pals around with everybody. So it, it does seem to underscore what we're seeing from this trip. Namely, you've got the White House apparatus, and then you've got Joe who occasionally will just speak out of turn, and it doesn't really seem to matter. So then right now we've got two major issues in the United States, both involving treaties. Yep. There's the Iran deal that... Obama struck up, Trump shot down, now they're trying to bring back. And you've got NATO, yeah. the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Uh, we know that the Senate has an important role in treaties, entering into treaties, potentially withdrawing from treaties. We know that the executive has an important role here, and all, sometimes the executive ignores the Senate. So where does that stand since both of these things are right at the forefront now, especially amid the war in Ukraine? Well, this week we had, I think, a very interesting constitutional debate in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And, and this week the Senate Foreign Relations Committee took up uh, a bill from Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, was, was Hillary Clinton's running mate. And the bill from Tim Kaine provides that the United States, that the president cannot withdraw from NATO without an affirmative two-thirds vote from the U.S. Senate. And the issue is actually, I think, a very interesting constitutional issue because th there is real ambiguity in the Constitution over whether or not withdrawing from a treaty takes Senate approval. To enter into a treaty, uh, the president has to sign it and two-thirds of the Senate has to ratify it. But over the 200-plus years of our country's history, multiple presidents have asserted the authority to withdraw from treaties uh, and have done so. Uh, and it's interesting, actually, when when Jimmy Carter was president, uh, he withdrew from a treaty concerning um, Taiwan and, and committing us to the defense of Taiwan. He withdrew from that treaty and Barry Goldwater sued him. Uh, he was in the Senate from Arizona and he sued him. And the case was Goldwater versus Carter. And and Goldwater, it went to the D.C. Circuit, then it went to the U.S. Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court concluded that it was a political question. In other words, the Supreme Court said, we're not going to answer whether pulling out of a treaty takes Senate approval or not, that, that it is non-justiciable, which is a, a legal term. Something that is non-justiciable means it's not susceptible to being resolved by the courts. If you, if you have a conflict between two branches of government, particularly if it's the executive and the legislature, who but the judiciary is going to 
saw, decide that question. Well, what the court said is it's what's called a political question. It's non-justiciable. It's not susceptible to, to the courts resolving it, but rather it should be resolved uh, by the political back and forth between Congress and the president. What the court said in that decision is, listen, if Congress disagrees with the president's decision, they can pass legislation expressing their disagreement. They can fight back. There's a check and balance. And so in foreign relations, it's interesting. So I, Tim Kaine proposed this um, a while back. And as I looked at it, um, I agreed with it. So I co-sponsored Tim Kaine's uh, proposal. And, and I co-sponsored it because I support NATO. I think NATO is uh, the most successful military alliance post-World War II that, that the world has seen. And I think supporting NATO is important. Um, the debate we had in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Rand Paul argued vociferously against Tim Kaine's legislation. So, so Rand Paul was arguing that the president does have the right unilaterally to withdraw from treaties. Yes. And, and, and Rand made constitutional arguments. He said, look, number one, what Tim is proposing is legislation that would be passed by the Senate, passed by the House, signed by the president. How can the House have a role in treaties under the Constitution? It's just the Senate. Mm. And this is the House inserting itself into the treaty power. Mm. That, that's a real argument. That's, that's a serious and substantive argument. Um, and he laid out also the history that going back to our earliest presidents, uh, including Washington, they've asserted the authority to withdraw from treaties. Um, Trump withdrew from a number of treaties um, and did so without Senate approval. Uh, Rand also argued under the terms of NATO, uh, it provides that America can withdraw, which has largely been understood to be the president can withdraw. Um I thought it was a good and robust debate, and I'll tell you what I said, Michael. I said, listen, I think the Constitution is ambiguous on this question. I think there are decent arguments on both sides, and I agree with the Supreme Court that this is naturally resolved in the give and take and the political arm wrestling between Congress and the White House. In this instance, I'm voting for the bill. Uh, because I agree with this substantive area that we should stay in NATO, and I want to put a check and balance against pulling out on NATO. And this is this is Congress pressing back uh, to underscore the importance of this commitment. But what's interesting, there were several Democrats on the committee who suggested, why don't we do it more broadly and pass a bill that says a president not, may not pull out of any treaty without the Senate approving by two-thirds. And, and what I said in, in committees, I said, look, I would oppose that. Mm. Um, I'm not interested in across the board asserting this congressional authority. It may, there may well be treaties uh, that, that this president or a subsequent president may want to withdraw from. And if Congress disagrees, we can pass something then to press back. And in this instance, I think NATO is worthy of it. And it ended up the vote was overwhelming. It was all the Democrats and every Republican voted yes, except for Rand, who voted no. So that was the result of the debate. But but I remember I turned to Mike Rounds, the uh, Republican who sits next to me. I'm like, that, that, that was the best constitutional debate I think I've ever heard 
in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Well, this is what I'm actually so surprised at, happily surprised at to hear, is the Senate's supposed to be the greatest deliberative body in the world. Usually there is no deliberation whatsoever, and you see a bunch of party line votes and a lot of talking points, and sometimes people don't even show up. And what you've described is actual statecraft and actual sort of first principles and constitutional argument that may have persuaded people, at least to some degree. And I'll tell you the maddening thing. It's not on C-SPAN for you to watch uh, because the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So most committees meet in hearing rooms that are in one of the Senate office buildings, either in Russell uh, or Dirksen or Hart. Um, and the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for public hearings, we, we do that as well. But for business meetings where we are passing legislation or sometimes voting on when we're voting on nominations, we meet in the United States Capitol in an old uh, historic uh, meeting room with with, you know, pictures of, of, you know, famous secretaries of state and, and you know, gold adorning the ceiling. And it's on the first floor of the Capitol. It's 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 kind of it's it's one floor below the Senate floor and kind of off to the side. And there aren't TV cameras in that that room. So so we conduct business there. But unfortunately, this entire debate was not captured on TV, which I remember thinking at the end was really a shame because it was a substantive and, and consequential debate. It is a shame, though. Perhaps that's why. Perhaps the absence of TV cameras actually may have encouraged more. <laughs> well, now, since we're talking about this sort of minor issue of uh, the nature of the Constitution and the treaty power of the Senate, I, I want to get to a much more important issue and and global conflict. That would be the slap heard around the world between Will Smith <laughs> and Chris Rock. I think this is what the people are dying to hear your opinion about. The Internet is divided. I think generally people are on Chris Rock's side, though there are a handful of people who say chivalry is not dead. Good on Will Smith for defending his wife's honor. Senator, what say you? Well, look, I generally try to stay out of fights between <laughs> Hollywood celebrities. Um, and I will confess, I was not watching the Oscars. I was one of the seven and a half billion people <laughs> on planet Earth that were not watching the Oscars. Um, so afterwards, when I started seeing the headlines, I'm like, what? Like, like, what's this Will Smith thing? So I went and did what, what most other people did, which is I went and Googled it and watched the video. And that damn thing was surreal. Um, it, it was, it looks faked. And I mean, the way Will Smith walks up, it looks like it's a staged gig. And then apparently it's not. Apparently he was just really, really pissed. And and I'm reminded of that the, the, there's a guy I, I know in Washington who was part of Jeb Bush's campaign uh, for president in 2016. And he was a senior guy in the campaign. And we were at a friend's wedding and he said, you know, there's a way Jeb Bush could have won. And, and I said, look, with, with all respect, I, I'm not convinced that's right. This, this was not a cycle in, in, which, in which anyone named Bush was going to win. And he said, no, I've got a theory. I said, okay, let me hear it. And he said, my theory was if at the debate where Donald Trump insulted Columba, Jeb's wife, if Jeb had just turned around and punched yeah. him in the face and <laughs> decked him, he might have won. And I was like, holy crap, I, I don't know. That would have been that would have been a unique moment on a presidential debate to 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 see one candidate deck the other. Right. And and I don't know what would have happened then. I, you know, it look, everyone can understand Will Smith when when someone's uh, making fun of your wife, 
getting pissed and defending her. That being said, you don't got a right to punch a comedian. Like, like comedians are, you know, paid to be jerks. Right. And if you are showing up where a comedian's performing, you, you shouldn't be surprised if they tell some jokes at your expense. Well, especially, it's not as though Will Smith's wife is, you know, Donna Reed keeping by the house. She is a public figure herself. She's an actress. She's a performer. But it, I, the only reason I really was even thinking about this stupid incident that we're still talking about now, four or five days later, is it does raise some questions about speech. You know, that there are certain yeah. categories of speech that are not protected. I'm thinking of obscenity. I'm thinking of fraud, direct threats, and fighting words, fighting words. And so... Uh, but then on the other hand, certain uh, uh, lots of speech is very protected in the United States. And it would seem that comedians in particular at yeah. public events that have a kind of roast vibe to them, if they're not protected, then then no speech is protected in America. So I wondered if there was any kind of legal argument there. Yeah. So under the law, um, Will Smith could likely be prosecuted for battery. And Chris Rock would likely have a cause of action against Will Smith for the same. Um, I don't know California law in particular, but generally speaking, under tort law and criminal law, that would be the case under under typical application. Um, but there is a caveat, which is to convict someone or to win a judgment. Um, you have to convince a jury. Hmm. And it's not clear to me in this case you could convince a jury that that, that there, there are some jurors who would be like, you know, damn straight. <laughs> go get him. You know, you make fun of his wife, go, go get him. And look, in a civil case at least, you'd have to demonstrate some damages. I did think it was interesting that Will Smith – I actually like both Will Smith and Chris right, Rock. Me too. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting Will, Will Smith who played Muhammad Ali – gets up and slaps him, which is sort of a weird, like, you, you, you know, it'd be one thing if he punched him. The slap was weird. It was like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen Muhammad Ali slap someone. No, he floated like a butterfly. Um, in actual litigation, it would be potentially difficult to prove damages. It's not clear to me a jury would convict or a jury would would enter a judgment. Um, and it reminds me of, you know, the old joke of, of, you know, the, the, the Texas gravestone that says he died at age 101, shot by a jealous husband. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know, there, my guess is, look, from all the public reporting, Chris Rock is not going to seek to press charges. And so nothing's going to happen legally as a yeah. consequence of it. Um, you know, I, by the way, I will say, in response to this, every lefty troll on earth has has taken great joy in coming after me on this yeah. and saying, well, Will Smith did what Cruz never would, which, which is defend his wife, Heidi. Now, look, to be clear, when Trump incited, insulted Heidi, I, I went after Trump with, with both barrels, right. um, which, which the lefties conveniently forget. Um, they just thought that once he was elected president, I should take my marbles and go home and refuse to do the job I was elected to. And and at the end of the day, I got a job. I suspect that's what the American left would have liked you to do is to. Uh, indeed. OK, good. Now, let's get get rid of that Cruz character. Get him out of here. Of course. No, of course. And uh, I mean, this is something that you notice in politics that everyone notices is when you're getting a deluge of attacks, usually it means that your opponents are 
afraid of you. And this actually ties in pretty well, this and the question of free speech ties in pretty well to the craziest, most important non-traversy going on today, namely that according to the left, you are not allowed to say the word gay in the state of Florida because of a bill called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. There's similar uh, legislation pending in other states. Obviously, it's a big political winner. Uh, but this has been the major news story based, as far as I can tell, on a complete fabrication. Yeah. Now, it, it really is bizarre. So, so Florida passed this bill saying you, you cannot discuss sexuality in schools with children between kindergarten and third grade. And, and, and frankly, I, I would call it the don't say gay law. I'd call it the don't say sex law. And you know what? With five-year-olds, I'm really okay with their teachers <laughs> not talking about sex. I'd, I'd like them not to say gay. I'd like them not to say straight. I'd like them not to say anything involving sex. Play with blocks with the damn kids and teach them arithmetic. Like, like... Yeah, ABCs, right? Like, like you, you know... It is, I actually think it's revealing. And by the way, the Florida law in fourth grade, apparently it's Katie bar the door. You can whip out, you know, S&M and like all sorts of crazy, like all the kink you all want. All the obscenity. Fourth grade is fine. But like, and to see the modern left losing their mind on this is bizarre. Like Disney is having paroxysms of fits because, you know what, I, I don't really want Snow White like like discussing sex either. Like like when you take your little kid to a Disney film and, and, and what's fascinating, I actually think the self-described leftist intelligentsia may be really out of step with their own base, particularly hmm. the African-American community. Yeah is not very keen on their kids being taught about sex when they're five. And there's at least one poll that was done in Florida of Democrats that showed a significant majority of Democrats in Florida support the law. The numbers that I saw were 52% to 36% of Florida Democrats support the law. And so all of the Disney woke activists are not just out of step with, with Republicans and independents, but according to this poll, more than half the Democrats in Florida are like, could you send my little kid to school and just avoid the whole sex topic? Like just, there are plenty of things in life to talk about. I don't need the kindergarten teacher getting into this stuff. Right. Well, I think this is why you're going to see a lot more of these bills around the country. You really saw it beginning with Glenn Youngkin running on this issue of education, yeah. keeping radical racial and sexual ideologies out of the classroom. Now you're seeing it in Florida. Uh, so, so it's a total political winner for the people who don't want sex being taught in kindergarten. But then you have the high-minded political philosophy of Hollywood elites. I'm thinking of Ron Perlman, uh, who, who played Hellboy, among other movies. I, I seem to recall you got into some interaction with him uh, some, oh. some years ago. He, your, your old enemy, Hellboy, uh, he said this is a First Amendment issue. In a mostly incoherent Twitter rant, he said that uh, the bill was a violation of the First Amendment and uh, be, because of the words don't say, which are not in the bill, by the way. So do you have any uh, First Amendment take on, on his argument? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hellboy has been been particularly active lately. He also this last week recorded a different tw Twitter rant 
uh, screaming "f you" at me. So so he was particularly <laughs> upset that I, that I was questioning Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. And so he just screamed expletives mm-hmm. at me. As one does. Um, yeah. Which is sort of an odd thing. I, I was disappointed that he didn't have the red face paint and the horns because it would have <laughs> been more fun, like actually having Hellboy curse me out. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the people virtue signaling, and I guess, I, I, as I said, I didn't watch the Oscars, but as I understand it, there was some point where like the hosts or everyone there began ch- chanting gay, gay, gay to show that they were apparently not in kindergarten in Florida, um, <laughs> which is a, a little odd. Okay. Like it, they could have had me fooled. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, there is no first amendment right uh, implicated here because if you were a teacher at a school, you are required to teach the curriculum in a public school that the state has decided upon. And, and, and if you want to teach something else, you're welcome to go stand in a mall and, and talk about it. You're welcome to teach your own kids that. Right. You're welcome to go to church and teach people there that. You can go anywhere else you want. But if your job involves teaching a curriculum set by the state, then the state has a right to set a curriculum. And it is the essence of reasonableness, I think, to say that with little, little kids, they shouldn't be getting into questions of sexuality, that five-year-olds don't need that the, the, their school teachers proselytizing their views on sex. That's not the job of a teacher. Um, I think most Americans find that a very common sense position. As I said, this law says fourth grade is fine. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually would prefer you not teach your fourth graders right. about it either. But, but, but kindergartners, this ought to be a pretty easy proposition. Of course. You you see it when we're talking about the First Amendment. And I've even heard some people bring up the question of academic freedom as though a second grade classroom were some free marketplace of ideas where new scholarly and scientific discoveries are occurring. No, of course not. As you say, you if you are a teacher, you have to follow the curriculum. The curriculum is set by the state. The parents have some rights in their kids' education. They certainly have rights as citizens and they can vote. And, and, and by the way, look, Nobody would think it was appropriate to say, for example, in colleges and universities, you may not discuss sex. Right. Like that would be bizarre. Um, You know, I I will tell you when I was at Princeton, there was a popular uh, T-shirt that said sex kills. And on the back, it said, come to Princeton, live forever. Uh, look, that would not be reasonable. Obviously, human sexuality is part of life. It's part of literature. It's part of history. No one would say it's reasonable for, for colleges to limit the discussions of that because presumably the students are mature enough to engage in that. Um, this may seem like a radical proposition, but there's a difference between college kids and five-year-olds. There's even a difference between high school kids I think most people would say even in high school, you wouldn't want to have that kind of restriction that by high school, you know, anyone who's watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High knows there's very little else that teenage boys are thinking about. (laughs) Um, Now, I don't know that we need our schools necessarily proselytizing on those topics, even at that age. But the judgment of the Florida legislature here, that there are some things that are inappropriate for little kids to discuss I think is a judgment that, that that all of us look at home with with our girls. I try very very hard not to curse. Yeah. Um, 
when, when I'm out with adults, when you and I are having a scotch and a cigar, yep. <laughs> uh, you may have heard me uh, uh, Once or uh, twice. use some, some, some ripe language. Once, three times at most. There is a difference. Right. Of course. No, of course, that's the case. You don't want to talk like a sailor around kindergartners. You want the context matters here. And if the American left is trying to completely take away the context and make what to me are just outright dishonest arguments saying that the bill does things that it's not doing. And probably it's because they know that they're losing on this issue. Now, on the question of education, Senator, we do have a pretty big announcement uh, from verdict for all of our wonderful listeners and for the bright young minds in America. For that, I want to bring on our friend Liz Wheeler because Liz, this involves you too. We are going to my alma mater of Yale University coming up in what? Just two weeks. We certainly are. And this is perhaps, it may be the most exciting episode of Verdict on the Road because Yale is uh, not only your alma mater, but they are a very ideologically compromised elite institution of higher learning. And I mean, I think we're gonna have a great time. I expect a big crowd, a crowd that doesn't just agree with what we're talking about, but a crowd who wants to come and respectfully disagree. I think it's gonna be great. And Michael, I got to ask you, how excited are you to be headed back to your old stomping grounds? I cannot wait. I'm not sure who is going to get more rotten tomatoes thrown at him. I, you know, it's not a very conservative campus, so I'm not sure you're the most popular guy there. But for me, a, a prophet has honor everywhere but in his hometown. Of course, we had to go because one of my favorite cigar bars in America is there. So I am excited. There, There is a small but mighty conservative underbelly at Yale. A lot of people go there and become more liberal. That's most of the time. Some end up to the right of Genghis Khan. That's what happened to me. So we're very excited. That's going to take place on April 11th. And then we will be going to the University of Alabama on April 18th. And we should point out, it's not just going to be you, Senator. It's not just going to be me. It's not just going to be our trusty cactus, but it's also going to be back by popular demand, our great friend, Liz Wheeler. Senator, I hope you're going to, you're going to wear a Princeton and Harvard gear on stage at Yale, right? You know, I'm assuming Yale requires that that we be in like a smoking jacket <laughs> with with maybe a Sherlock Holmes pipe and some Madeira. Um, or I don't know, has it gone more hippie than that? Do we have to be like 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 nude and and taking peyote or something? I think it's a little bit of both, Senator. It's sort of Yale has become a bit of a mullet these days, you know, tweed on on the front, uh, but that's it. You know, you, you wear your bow tie <laughs> and nothing else. So we'll be doing that. One of the more surprising things, though, is that actually, I mean, we're very excited to, to have been invited by Yale, even with its liberal reputation, but it was the University of Alabama, the student paper there, that actually called the Young America's Foundation an institution of bigotry and extremism that is consistently linked to racism, Islamophobia, transphobia, and other harmful ideologies. It is not an organization of freedom or tradition. Even down south, it seems that liberalism and leftism reign. Well, and I got to say that the particular op-ed you're reading from is, is from the Alabama College newspaper, and it reads like a parody, like if if the Babylon Bee made up an angry leftist newspaper. So they apparently uh, there's a woman who's running for student body president who who they had endorsed, and after the student newspaper endorsed him, someone found a picture of her at a YAF conference in D.C. And these leftists threw a tizzy fit. They stamped their feet. Oh, goodness, this person we endorsed has like 
encountered a conservative idea in her life. What can we do? And, and, and so they have all these ad hominem insults at YAF, and, you know, they believe in things like free enterprise, the Constitution, free speech, religious liberty. My God, they might even believe in the Second Amendment. But then the editorial ends with the funniest portion of all. They say, well, so we don't think this candidate is all that great, but her opponent is worse. So don't vote at all. But if you do vote, vote for her. But God, we can't stand conservatives. And it's like, really? Like, 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 it's truly a sight to behold. Oh, the whole thing absolutely slayed me. I laughed out loud reading this because I thought to myself, listen, according to radical leftist ideology, the governor or now the former governor of Virginia can show up in blackface in a photograph, but God forbid that this young woman running for student government show up in a picture from the Young America's Foundation Conference. This is the standards that the left has set. Um, and how they apply to conservatives. This is going to be a great event. I hope the authors of this editorial come to our event. Absolutely. They are welcome. They will be treated respectfully, and they're welcome to come up with with whatever crazy-ass question they want. We will give them a place of honor. And we'll try not to take their picture at a YAF event. (laughs) (laughs) For their future candidacy. (laughs) Yeah, then they'll unendorse themselves. Oh, crap, we were photographed at verdict. We we, we officially deplatform ourselves. It totally underscores the reason why these events are so important, why we've got to go straight to the college campuses where these battles are being fought. We're so excited to do it with Young America's Foundation. You can find out more about these events. That's April 11th at Yale and April 18th at the University of Alabama. Go to yaf.org slash verdict live. That is yaf.org slash verdict live. If you're around New Haven, if you're around the University of Alabama, We will see you there. Now, Michael, you can sign up to go in person, but you can also go there and sign up to watch it live on YouTube. So if you can't make it to New New Haven, if you can't make it to Alabama, you can stay in the comfort of your own home wearing pajamas and bunny slippers and watch. Actually, you would fit in well at Yale in pajamas and bunny slippers (laughs) and watch it live on YouTube, the same link, right? Absolutely. So make sure you head on over. We're so happy, as always, to partner with Young America's Foundation. It's going to be a great deal of fun to introduce a whole new generation of young American college conservatives to the right wing, which they they probably haven't heard a whole lot about it in their classrooms. We're looking forward to seeing you. And if we can't see you, at least you'll see us. That is yaf.org slash verdict live. Before that, though, Liz, you are going to be speaking with the senator on the cloakroom. What are you going to be talking about? Yes, we have a great topic. This is a topic we're asked, Senator, to talk about a lot, especially from the Verdict Plus community. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Great Reset. We're going to be talking about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and this idea of globalism. And not not only those topics in and of themselves, but what we can do in our legal system here in the United States to actually prevent globalists from having control over our country. So it's very nerdy, very interesting, a highly requested topic. Um, anybody who wants to join us on The Cloakroom, join us on Verdict Plus. Go to verdictwithtedcruz.com slash Plus, if you use my promo code cloakroom, you can get your first month free on your annual subscription. That is verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. That sounds fabulous. Uh, In the meantime, we will be having a a reset ourselves. Not a great reset, a minor reset before we head on over to cloakroom. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz.
This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could. Could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.